January 18, 2024. Currently in the middle of the Flyer Stars game. They're up 1-0 here as the start of the second period is underway. Apparently a good first period to keep up their win streak. I guess it's what, five games now? Four games, five games? Is this game six? Doesn't even matter. Who cares? <laughs> we got the other things to talk about besides this win streak, and there's plenty of it here. Uh, Mike Aceto was on the shelf tonight. He's IR. Week to week. I'll be back sooner or later. But uh, Manny is, in fact, joining me tonight. So, Manny, what's going on? Not too much, Dan. Greetings, salutations. I hope you didn't get uh, Mike's diagnosis from the Flyers medical staff. Yeah, <laughs> out indefinitely at that point. Yeah, I th- I, I kind of feel like we're, uh, we got on autopilot. But, Mike, we miss you, and we'll definitely see you soon, man. Yep, he'll be back. We're looking for five games on the win streak, by the way, once I pull up the schedule here. The, uh, before this game concludes, 24-14-6 for 54 points, 44 games in the season. Second in the Metro, although this is very close, just 11 points separate the Rangers, who are in first place, from the Devils, who are in seventh. So, very, uh, very tight Metropolitan Division here. The Flyers' win streak keeping them afloat, but, man, they stumble even just a little bit. They could be passed up pretty quick with how tight things are right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, we've past the halfway point of the season they're still doing well they're still winning games they're still trying hard they're still outworking teams i mean it is what it is this is kind of the team that i think we're going to see now the rest of the over the rest of the year but you're right i mean listen it's it's all about streaks in today's nhl you win four or five in a row you uh you know you vault teams and you and you get to start banking points you lose four or five in a row and you've got, you know, people are talking about firing uh, Coach uh, Keith over here in Toronto. Um, and then you look at, like, earlier in the year, Edmonton was dead and buried. And now they're, like, one ten in a row. Something like and now that. They're, yeah. You know, they're, they're like, a point out of uh, third place in the division or second. It's a crazy league. It's a streaky league, and that's the way it's going to go. Streaky teams are going to survive. Well, last time we talked... We did a breaking news audio for the uh, night of the uh, Cutter Gauthier trade for our initial reactions, and the shit has not stopped flying over the last, what, week and a half, two weeks now. And, uh, you know, I have spoken at length about this Cutter Gauthier fella and this whole uh, thing, but do you have any uh, extra thoughts on Gauthier and this whole situation over the last few weeks since the last time we spoke? No, I mean, he's a dick. (laughs) <laughs> I think that uh, I think I think the Flyers screwed up uh, something along the way in terms of communication, and I don't understand how. But once this guy made up his mind, I mean, he's pretty stubborn, and to not even take a phone call or a meeting, whatever it is, what it is, I still think that uh, both sides have some semblance of blame. Yes, but 
it is what it is and it's over now. And I don't know. The Flyers got a, you know, a potential top, you know, pairing defenseman. And, you know, if you were to tell me when Danny Breer got hired or at the beginning of the season that the Flyers would be potentially addressing uh, a top line center and a top pair defenseman this season, I don't know if I would have believed you. And they still got to get that center. And it sucks that they lost a good prospect in Cutter Gauthier in order to get a guy like Jamie Drysdale. But we'll see. This is like a, it could either be like the best thing that happened to this team or it could be, you know, just more of the same. But so far, so good. And it's promising. I've liked what I've seen uh, from Drysdale so far. Making an attempt to actually solve a problem here and now. You know, during the summer, they acquired Helga Granz from the Kings, who has been very not good in Lehigh this year. They drafted uh, Oliver Bonk. I always want to say Radic Bonk. Always. Oliver Bonk, who is a right-handed defenseman, but he's a few years down the line. Drysdale's the one person that here now you have a young guy that's here in the lineup. And so it, it was it was a good move. You know, losing Gauthier sucks as a prospect. You know, I think they were banking on all of their offensive faults being fixed by Gochi's arrival and that is now not going to happen and this is kind of the biggest story next is now the ball's in Breer's court now you have to address your lack of of center depth your lack of forward scoring your power play struggles and now they no longer have Gochi to come in and save the day to make that happen so glad they got Drysdale but the work is not done yet when it comes to addressing long-term holes in the roster Nope, it never is. And uh, based on everything that I'm reading on uh, on Flyers Twitter, fans seem to want to just re-sign everybody. Uh-huh. Give everybody a five-year, six-year, seven-year deal. You know what? Let's re-sign Nick Sealer. Let's re-sign Walker. Let's get Tippett uh, long-term on the books. Let's get Konechny on the Let's roll with this exact team that we've got. And I get it. The team's been terrible for years, inconsistent at best for a decade. I know people are excited. And you know what? I'm going to cut them a little bit of slack. Be excited. Be happy. You should be happy. They're winning games, whatever. I'll give you a pass on that one. But we can't fall into the same trap of let's re-sign this guy. Let's re-sign this guy. Everybody out there, myself included, I had this team pegged as a, you know a bottom eight team in the league. And I've been completely off base and wrong. And you know what? So we're 95% of everybody else out there, including, you know, Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli and all these prognosticators and experts and Pierre Lebrun and all of them. So I'm in good company there, I guess. But the thing that this team's always kind of done, and I'd like to see them kind of approach things a little bit differently, is just to not be so reactionary, whether it's good or bad. And instead of, you know, we, we've gone through a half a season here where the Flyers are doing really well and they're second in the Metro. Does that mean you should re-sign everybody? Hell no. no. I, think, I think you still got to approach this in a smart way and assess what you've got in the AHL what you've got in terms of assets coming up in the upcoming, you know, two drafts or two or three drafts coming up and you look at the team and say, okay, so where do we reasonably expect this team to be next year? If we re-sign everybody, I want people to be legitimately honest 
And if everybody, if 95% of people said that this team was going to be really bad this year and they've shocked the hell out of the hockey world and they're doing really well, what are the chances that this happens again next year with the exact same group? It's, you know, we've often talked about them turning into, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets under John Tortorella. And, and this whole Nick Sealer thing just kind of encompasses that. And, and the biggest fear for the future of the team is that they just settle. There's Listen, Nick Sealer's not bad. There's nothing inherently wrong with Nick Sealer himself. But why is that? priority number one right now of re-signing your number six defenseman i i just you've got emil andre who should be in the nhl right now he can single-handedly save your fucking power play ronnie adder's on a one-way contract next year the rest of this defense is still here i've written multiple pieces about this this week it's just re-signing sealer is putting the cart before the horse (laughs) you're trying to address your depth guy there's a reason why teams like toronto want nick sealer Because a slightly above average defenseman could be the difference between making or losing a cup. You know, the Flyers aren't there yet. You know, the Leafs have their offensive core in place. They've got a few key defensive pillars. They just need the proper puzzle pieces of depth to push them over the edge. The Flyers, you're you're missing this offensive talent. And yet, they're playing good this year. They're working hard. And after all the last, you know, three years of bullshit, fine. Enjoy it. But... Let's be realistic, too, about building a better future. The work ethic bubble team is great. It's a step in the right direction, but they need more than that. And Sealer's not going to help you accomplish that goal. You know, he's a a useful guy. By no means am I saying Nick Sealer's worthless. You know, but you're just, there's just no reason that they're so focused on this guy right now. As far as the defense goes, you should either focus on getting rid of guys like Stahl and Sealer and Walker and incorporating your young guys, Andre and Adderd, going into the future so you can see what you have and properly assess your in-house talent, which they have not done a very good job at this year, let's be real. Or they should be trying to find a legitimate bonafide top left-handed defenseman to partner with Drysdale for the next 10 years and can make sure that he succeeds and not just have Travis Sanheim out there. You know, that's what this defense should be. By no means should they be focusing on Nick Sealer. That just, man, you just, you'd need to alleviate some of the bodies on this roster, not continue to add more. And the Flyers just are not in a spot where Delorier needs to be priority number one. Or Sealer, for that matter. Or Delorier. It's just, the, the, Delorier matter. The reason why that name came to mind is just, when they signed Delorier a couple years ago, it's, okay, he's a good player, what's he doing here? When they signed Hathaway, okay, he's a good player, what's he doing here? You know, you're addressing your depth role players before before your nucleus is in place. And that's just doing things ass backwards. And it's setting them up for failure. You're stalling your prospects. You're not addressing the real holes. So it's just, there's nothing wrong with Sealer. And, uh, people don't hear that part because I put this on Twitter. They, but Nick Sealer's doing this. I don't give a fuck what Nick Sealer's doing this year. It's just not time for Nick Sealer. Focus on something else. God damn it. So I just pulled up uh, Sealer's cap friendly here. So he's making seven seventy five k, and he's thirty years of age. Yeah. So he's a UFA. What do you think Nick Sealer is going to be asking for? At least like, two million. Th- okay, so I was going to say about two million dollars as well. Yeah. Like you're not getting him on a league minimum again. That's not going to happen. No. No. He's no. playing top four minutes too. right now. 
yeah, you can't have a, the type of season that he's having and not expect some kind of a raise. And then it goes to, well, what kind of term is he going to get? Is is he going to settle for a two-year? If he goes to the open market, can he get three? Maybe even four? I mean, you see what he's been doing on the penalty kill and how he's been involved in fights and, you know, everything that you're hearing. He's a great guy, leadership in the locker room and everything else. A part of me... <sighs> I don't know if I've heard I've heard the people talking about Nick Sealer's name being bandied about in in a re-signing kind of bid by the Flyers. But has anybody actually said that Briere and company have actually met with Sealer and his agent? Cuz part of me is thinking that this is a little bit like sending out smoke signals to the rest of the GMs saying, you know, eh, we're thinking about re-signing him. So if you guys really want this guy, you better pony up and make an offer. And a part of me is thinking that because remember the Drysdale deal wasn't all that long ago. And there are too many defensemen on this roster and somebody has got to go. So I don't know a hundred percent that that's true, but there might be a little bit of posturing and gamesmanship here by Danny Breer and company. What, what say you? It's possible. I mean, I believe the rumors of resigning sealer popped up because Breer was the one who mentioned it, that they want to get this guy, you know, taken care of. So it could be posturing. It could be saying, hey, we feel this guy is valuable enough to sign right now in the middle of the season. Um, or they could be looking to legitimately resign him because he's a good character depth guy, and those are just the most important players. So either one of those is a feasible possibility at this point. I mean, I'd be really impressed if Danny Breer just pulled out an infomercial. Yeah. Hired the corpse of Billy Mays. <laughs> Hey, NHL GMs, you got a hole? You got a leaky defense? Come get the flex sealer. He'll plug all the holes on the defense, block shooting lanes, be great on the penalty kill. He's got everything, indoors or outdoors. Get the whole flex sealer line of products. Buy now. Call Danny Briere at 1-800-BLANK. By the way, it goes right to his cell phone. You need the flex sealer now. Buy now. We might even throw in Sean Walker in the next 30 minutes. Just call right now. A two-for-one deal. Let's get it done. And Sean Walker is another one. There's another one where it's like, hey, here's the guy that's over-exceeding expectations. He could be an insanely valuable trade deadline chip. But he's also playing well, so we can't get rid of him. I'm just like, God, God. The, listen, I was all aboard trading Walker anyway. Now that Drysdale's here, you just have no reason to keep him as long as Ristolainen's still under contract. I, 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 I just don't get it. You trade him at the deadline. And if you can't live without him, fine, then bring him back in the offseason. But sweet Christ, there is no reason why Walker needs to be here. They're going to retain him. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to get blown out of the water in the first round. And then he's just going to walk in free agency anyway. And they're going to pass up on a potential first-round pick just so they can make the playoffs. It's dumb. Get rid of all these guys. Fuck me. Selling at the deadline should not be this complicated for anybody. Well, no, especially since the bulk of the work... And, uh, you know, the carrot or the reward was you got Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. So Jamie Drysdale is way more important than Sean Walker or Nick Sealer. Like that guy just vaulted all these guys on the depth chart. He is more important 
in terms of right now and in the long term for this franchise. So I get what you're saying with Nick Sealer and Sean Walker. Not shouldn't be the priority, but getting interest for a potential deal at the deadline. And I think that they should seriously consider it. I I do understand the hesitation, though. And this is kind of what um, Frank Saravalli on one of his recent podcasts uh, was talking about the Flyers and Travis Konechny's extension, etc. And he talked about this being a nightmare season. And what he kind of talked about was um, there's no easy answers here. Like, do you blow all these guys out and sell them all, which is what you do in a rebuild, and then you send a weird message to your locker room who's worked their ass off and tried really hard, and they're building the culture and the accountability and all that, those buzzwords that, that we've been hearing all season, and to great effect and to great results. Do you buy at the deadline to reward this team for all the hard work that they've been doing? And I heard people on other podcasts saying, well... Cutter Gauthier is going to be the trade deadline acquisition. Well, that's gone now. You don't have that. Oh, God, that phrase again. You know, <laughs> Sean so we Couturier don't... coming back. He's going to be our trade deadline acquisition. <laughs> yeah, like they're just, it's rebranding the same buzzwords. Uh-huh. And then at the same time, if you don't get anybody and you stand pat and you just keep this group because this group is just firing on all cylinders and they're, 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 the cohesion and the chemistry is there. And then this team gets blown out in the first round or whatever, and they don't really get anywhere. And if you stand pat in the off season, people are going to be coming back into training camp saying, this is the exact same group that we had last year. How do you expect these guys to grow? I mean, I'm seeing guys like Bobby Brink. He's, he's hit a wall. He's not the same guy that he was in the first two months of the season. And I don't know what the answer is. But I know what isn't the answer, and that's keeping the exact same crew around Bobby Brink. If you want to see guys like Brink and Forrester take another step, a guy like Trevor Zegras would make a hell of a lot of sense. That would be a great piece to get, and you would address that center position, and that would be a good, a good coup for uh, Danny Briere. Yeah, and that's that's... You know, again, we just kind of talked about, well, they're winning, they're playing game, the best season in, you know, four years or whatever it is. But they're not a cup team. I would assume most people can agree on that. I'm sure there's some people out there, they're going to win a cup this year. But on the whole, I would assume most people can agree they're not a cup team, which, okay, so they make the playoffs. I get beat in the first round by the Hurricanes or the Rangers, whoever they end up facing. And you just run it back. What's going to change? You know, Konechny's having a career year. Couturier's doing the best that he can do. Sanheim's having a career year. Are those guys going to repeat their career? Like, Sean is not going to be in this condition forever. He's going to break down sooner. Like, he's 31 for fuck's sake. You know, if they slip up, then you're taking a step back because they didn't make any moves forward. You know, you got to... This is the hardest part for the Flyers organization because it's the part that neither previous GM was able to do. Hextall had his rebuild, and he was never able to put one foot in front of the other and take the step to putting on a competitive team. Fletcher, same thing, the aggressive retool. That was fucking not aggressive at all. You had the the 2019 summer with Hayes and Braun, and that was it. He didn't do a goddamn thing for the rest of the time he was here. You know, this is where Briere needs to step up. And it this is... 
they phrased it as a rebuild. This was a rebuild. Are they going to then say, well, we're still rebuilding. We can't add Trevor Zegers, and we can't make move X, Y, and Z. We just have to run it back for another year to build the culture some more. Or do they say, hey, we had a better year than expected. We're not rebuilding anymore. At least not, you know, not even going to say the word rebuild anymore. We're just going to try and win. And thus they go get someone like Zegers or go get player X, Y, and Z to insulate the team with legitimate talent, not worrying about signing Sealer or Walker or these random fucking depth guys, adding legitimate pieces to this team to make them successful so they can put one foot in front of the other. If they make the playoffs this season to get curb stomped by you know the Hurricanes, they go in the next season, they make the playoffs, they beat the Hurricanes and make it to the second round. And they can you know, progress, step-by-step progress to putting on a winning team. It is ultimately going to be the biggest question for Danny Briere and the front office because it's something that they haven't done in 15 fucking years since Paul Holmgren was here. You know, was try and get better year after year and make this team better and make those big calls. You know, it, it's the kind of just stale nonsense we've been dealing with all these years. So Breer definitely, the ball is in his court when it comes to uh, making these moves for the summer and proving that they can take steps forward and not just settle as a hardworking depth team. Again, Columbus Blue Jackets, hey, we're a hardworking group and we're going to stay that way. You know, is that all you want to do here? Or do you want to get better and succeed at the end of the day? So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, listen, there's, uh, you know, Breer has big balls, well, he's going to have to have his big boy pants on because and and I'm not trying to poke fun. Uh, I don't envy the position that Danny Breer is going to be in because this is a really tough call. Like, do you just stay the course and keep what you got because they're doing so well and the results don't lie? Knowing full well that you could totally take a step or two back next next season. Yeah. I mean, the the expectations for this team were so low entering the season that any amount of progress would have been deemed a success. And now, with this, even if they get into the playoffs and they lose in the first round, even if they get swept in the first round, people are going to hang their hat on, this team did a hell of a lot better than we thought that they were going to be. There's hope, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and no matter what, next season there's going to be heightened expectations and going into next season other teams whether they're division rivals or in other divisions across the league are now going to be looking at philadelphia and going okay that's not going to be an easy two points we went into last season thinking oh yeah that's a two-point game that's no problem we can go out get get bombed you know do rails of coke the night before you know spend spend an entire week's paycheck at the rippers (laughs) And then just go into the game and just have our way with the Flyers. That didn't happen. And it's not going to happen this season. The Flyers have proven that. Next year, teams aren't going to be taking them that lightly. And I don't know, man. I think that there's a real chance that fans are going to have expectations. The bar is going to be raised. And then they can disappoint. And then all the banking of goodwill... And, you know, we're doing things for the fans and the fans are responding and coming back and they're starting to talk about this team. Thank you, Eagles, for shitting the bed and and making that a reality. (laughs) But you could lose that goodwill and those good feelings really fast. Like this has got to be something that gets built upon 
and you, you earn trust and you build that trust and you continue to do good things. I don't know what exactly Danny Breer should do because I could see the positives and negatives of, of any which way. And I wouldn't blame him if he makes a wrong decision here because this is a tough decision for any GM to make, let alone a rookie GM. They need to make moves that make sense for the future. And I think that's why Zegris is such a fascinating option because he's 23. Yeah. Like, that is right what you want. That's why Drysdale made a lot of sense, because he's 21. He's right in that age range of what you want your core to be for a little while here. And especially with how goddamn poor this free agent group is this year, the RFA pool is not much better. Pedersen is the only one that's up there of note, essentially. Um, And, you know, who knows? He could re-sign in Vancouver any day now, um, because they're actually playing well this year. So it's why someone like Zegers makes sense. You know, do you give up the assets for Zegers and... Listen, man, if they are re-signing Sealer and you're bringing Walker back and this defense is staying mainly intact, then they should be trading Emil Andre and Ronnie Adderd. If you're not going to play them in the NHL, then package them together and try and get Zegris. There's no goddamn reason why you hoard these prospects to never play them in the NHL in the first place. This is pet peeve numero uno for Dan the Flyer fan right now is the way they're handling so many of these guys. And if they don't have futures here, then fucking use them for something. You know, this is what successful teams do. And I don't know what it costs to acquire Zegers. I have no idea. Players like that aren't traded every day. There's not a lot of strong reference points for something like this. You know, but it's something that if he's legitimately on the block, they need to consider. They need to take a long, hard look and figure out if it's worth it. Because it probably is. Especially now that Gauthier is not here. You know, they don't have that, you know, golden carrot to come in and save themselves. They need to actively do something to help their forward group. So... Whether it's Zegris or somebody else, you know, once we get a little closer to the deadline in the offseason, names will start bubbling up, and we'll get a little better idea who's out there. But right now, Zegris is, is the guy that they should be targeting. Um, and I just don't see a... I, I've not heard a good reason against Zegris. People are just, well, he's you know, he doesn't want to play hard and all this shit. I've not heard a good reason against it. The positives far outweigh the negatives on this one. And uh, that should be... That would be the guy. Uh, you know, they passed up on Eichel. I was a huge proponent of them going after Eichel. And Zegers may not be quite on that same level, but he's pretty friggin' close, you know, without uh, actually getting to that bonafide number one guy. Second tier. But at the end of the day, if he's the guy that fits the bill, then go out and do it. Because you got to reward them. I don't know if you buy or sell at the, uh, buy at the deadline. It just seems like a bit of a waste. Unless they have a serious turnaround here towards the back half of the year where they look flat out unbeatable. Maybe you add somebody. Maybe you pull the fucking Chuck Fletcher. We're going to go out and get Derek Grant and Nate Thompson for you to play with. You know, do something like that. But, you know, on the whole, this offseason yeah, needs to be about taking steps forward, regardless of what form that comes in. And Trevor Zegers makes a lot of sense in that role right now. Well, yeah. And, I mean, listen, the one C. Any center position that actually at this point for the Flyers needs to be addressed. Yeah. And in truth, if you're going to sit here and, and, and look at the center landscape, so it's Elias Pettersson. It's uh, Lindholm in Calgary, I believe. Yeah. Right. And like who else would be available? Like there's not much out there. So, Zegris is a pretty damn good consolation prize if you can't get Elias Pettersson. And let's face facts, he's going to call his shot. 
And the way that Vancouver's playing, if it truly is about winning, Vancouver is in pole position to re-sign him as long as they have the money to do so, and they should. The problem is, is if he wants to, I don't know, save money on taxes or if he wants to go to, you know, uh, uh, a beach destination like Miami or uh, Tampa or Carolina or wherever, that's a different story. But realistically, the chances of waiting for an Elias Pettersson, you might be waiting and then it's all for nothing yep. because he resigns mm-hmm. and then you're stuck and you look at the timing I know Zegers hasn't had a very good season and everyone keeps pointing out that he, Oh, he only has seven points this year. Yeah. Okay. It was in 20 games. Like people are making it sound like the guy played 45 games. Morgan Frost has like 12 points on the entire season right now. Right. right. So, I mean, (laughs) like let's, let's keep things in perspective, but at the same time, like the beginning of the year, nobody would have expected Trevor Zegers' name to even pop up. And the fact that his name even kind of got out there is kind of weird. And it's not a really a high risk to go after a guy if the team, if the Ducks are thinking about, well, we kind of thought he'd be taking more steps forward this year and he hasn't really been good. This is where you have a chance to strike. And I don't think you're going to get a discount for Trevor Zegris at all. And I don't think that the defense is going to be something that, uh, that the Ducks are going to be looking for. I don't really know what they're going to look for, but maybe they're looking for draft capital. You know, maybe they want more draft picks, and the Flyers have lots of those. And they'll have more after the deadline. Right. And then you pop in, you know, a Bobby Brink, or you pop in somebody else. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they want, to be honest. But it's something that has to be explored. Um, He would check a lot of boxes. And then it puts a lot less pressure. I mean, would you rather draft, you know, 20th in a weak draft like this one? You're not going to get anywhere near a, a, a center with the dynamic abilities that Zegras has got. If the Flyers, so, Panthers both make the playoffs and they get, say, Toronto's first-round pick for Sean Walker, those are all 20 or above. Right. <laughs> it's just a bunch of nothing. It's a bunch of crapshoots. You know, Zegras had 23 goals in both of his previous uh, seasons before this year and has hit uh, broke 60 points, 61 points and 65 points. So regular 60-plus point guy. Was struggling this year at seven points in twenty games. I believe he broke his ankle a couple weeks ago. Um, struggling on a you know very very bad Ducks team. But on the whole, sixty five points. I would take sixty five points on a dynamic young center on this roster right now. I mean, I, I mean, you got uh, Steven Stamkos who's thirty four. They're not going to trade him before the deadline, as their GM pointed out today. But they never mentioned they were going to resign him or not. So even if he hits for it, like, I would be totally in on Steven Stamkos, just because it's one of those players I'd always love to see play for the Flyers. But he's not a long-term solution at 34. You know, you got Sam Reinhart, who I would actually love. I was a huge proponent of him in 2021 from Buffalo. But my guess is he stays in Florida. And that's pretty much it. Elias Lindholm is the other one. That one scares me, actually. That is 29 years old, defensive center. Oh, man, they're going to give him the Sean Couturier contract and have both of them out there into their 40s. (laughs) Wow. Forget Ambien. We're just going to go to Flyers games and catch up (laughs) on our Zs. Um, Yeah, like, I love Stamkos, too. The age is kind of like... He's also a winger these days, so... Yeah, I know. He's our new cutter, Goche, then. Yeah. Just get him. Um... 
who's the other center that you just mentioned? Sam Reinhardt. Okay, Reinhardt kind of scares me because he's going to want a good He's going to get paid. And I don't know if I'm comfortable giving him that much. And I know he's had a great year. But Stamkos has 41 points in 41 games. He had 84 last year at 106 in 21-22. Sweet Christ, that guy doesn't slow down. No, but it helps that he's playing with Kucherov and all those other guys in, in Tampa and Hedman. And he's going to come here and he's going to be playing with... Uh, <laughs> Jesus. God. Sam Reinhardt has 56 points and 33 goals in 44 games this year. Yeah, Jesus. he's on the turf. Yeah, I know. Everybody was like, oh, thank thank God uh, we kept Sanheim. Oh, thank God we didn't get uh, Tory Krug. There were people a few years ago that were telling me that Travis Connecting was better than Sam Reinhardt. LOL! Yeah, actually, that would be a really good, uh, interesting thing to put out there, too. Yeah. Well, Dig who's back better? some of those tweets. Yeah, I know. That's actually true. That's actually a really good point. 33 and goals and 82 points. 31 goals and 67 points. 33 goals and 56 points. God. And they could have had yeah. him in the Risto trade. And they said no. God. Imagine, imagine he was still on Buffalo. He was he was on Buffalo, right? There was a couple mm-hmm. of Reinhardts. There was a Griffin Reinhardt. Griffin, Max, and Sam. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Max it was, was Buffalo. A Calgary Flame, I believe. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at the Flyers' stats right now, and there's a guy that we aren't talking about, and I'm wondering if we should. See, with all of the Nick Sealer re-signing talk, Nobody's talking about Igor Zamula. Three goals, nine assists, 12 points. He's been playing better recently, and he's been not scratched so often. Getting a bunch of power play time lately, too. He's getting in a little bit of a rhythm. You know, is he a world beater? No, by no means. But he's kind of holding his own here. And I'd be really interested to see what he's going to be up to in the second half of the season here. He's only played 35 games. Nick Sealers played 44 and has seven assists. Yeah. So granted, it's not significant. It's five points difference between the two. His minutes uh, Seal- are more significant. Two minutes, just about 1705 to 1551. Sealers playing 17 minutes. Yeah. Um, plus 14 and plus 11. I think they're the two leaders on the team. Uh, fair. Oh, oh, connecting to a plus 17. Never mind. <sighs> but uh, if you re-sign a guy like Sealer and you don't trade Sean Walker or whatever, that what, what future does a guy like Igor Zamula have? And you got, I mean, you mentioned Adderd earlier in the episode. He's on a one-way contract yep. next year, right? Adderd's so on a one-way, it... and Andre's too goddamn good for the AHL. He should be here as well. So where are we going to have the bodies and and the space for these bodies? Pardon me. Yeah. Like you have to start making decisions. And I think it's easy to look at how much is Sealer going to make? What does he bring to the table? Listen, he's, he brings a lot to the table for what he is. And he's not going to break the bank. How long do you sign him for? I don't know. But at some point, you got to keep an eye on the AHL and the guys that are coming up, people are mentioning Bonk and all. Bonk's not going to be in the NHL. Next that's not a problem right now. That's that's a no. years down the road problem. At least two. But like, 
what do we do about Igor Zamula? So you got York, Drysdale, Sandheim, and Ristolainen are your four main roster guys under contract here next season. Adder's on a one-way deal. Zamula is an RFA, and Andre should be in the NHL right now. So that's seven. That's your seven right there. York, Drysdale, Sandheim, Risto, Adder, Andre, Zamula. That's also a very young and inexperienced blue line, and we know Tortorella's going to have a fucking brain hemorrhage dealing with some of those guys. That's, you know, do you bring Siegler back and have eight people? Do you carry eight defensemen on the roster and just play musical chairs all year like they've done this year? Do you roll with 11 forwards and seven defensemen every night to make that musical chairs easier? Do they do what they did with Allison and Lazinski and Zamul's just a one and done? Oh, well, tough shit. We don't like you get off this team so they can bring Sealer back. I have no idea, but I would be fine rolling with Drysdale, York, Sandheim, Risto, Adder, Andre, and Zamula. I'd be fine with that, but they're not veterans. They may not be good character guys. I, I, I don't know. It really, like, that, it's going to test the team. It's going to test Tortorella and Breer. Can they pivot away from their fucking culture for three goddamn seconds to look for the betterment of the organization? Andre could be your guy on the power play. If you have Andre and Drysdale out there, sweet Christ, you may have something. Ronnie Adder, again, power play guy. Like, they may not be the stingiest defenseman you're ever going to see, but they address holes, and you at least know what you got. Zamula can do a little bit of everything. You know, he's been more of a project at the NHL than I was hoping he was. I'm a big Zamula fan. I always will be. But, I don't know. I'd be fine rolling with that group of seven. It's just, at some point, you need to... Even if you re-sign Sealer, well, he's going to be a seven defenseman. He's played every game this year in a goddamn second-pair role. They're not going to re-sign him for $2 million and sit him every night. You know, he's not going to take that Mark Stahl role. You know, if you want to bring in a Mark Stahl equivalent as a just-in-case option for a minimum contract, and fine, whatever, and he actually stays, a you know, your number seven, number eight defenseman, more power to you, but there's just no need to bring these fucking old defensemen back. You don't need a bunch of 30-year-olds back there. You need to see what you have in your prospects. God damn it. This whole this whole this defense topic is really starting to drive me nuts. Anybody that's been paying attention to the website this week, that's all I've written about is the fucking defense. Because it just drives me nuts. Look at like there you gotta take the step. You gotta see what you got, and all the contracts are working themselves out where everyone's gonna be in the NHL anyways. Mool's on a one-way contract when he resigns. On a one-way contract now. Adder's on a one-way contract. Andre needs to be in the NHL. It's just like it's all working to a point where you don't even need to resign Walker and Sealer, and you still have seven fucking defensemen on your main roster, and that's before you take into account someone like Adam Ginning or Helga Granz or anything like that. You have so many fucking people here. You haven't even mentioned Victor Mete. Oh, fuck! I hate Victor Mete. <laughs> he, every single time I see him in Lehigh, my first thought is, what are you doing here? Why did they sign him in the first place? Why are he and Mark Stahl even here? God, what was the point? <laughs> Danny Breer wanted to practice his penmanship in English by signing his name. <laughs> God. <sighs> yeah, Zimula's an interesting one. Like, we're so hot to trot for Nick Sealer and everybody else that's kind of in that you know, bottom three defense role. And yet we're, you know, Igor Zamula last year of his deal and 
people are willing to just shove them aside. People are people are willing to shove Carter Hart aside. Mm-hmm. You know, we got Sam Erson, so it doesn't matter. And listen, he's played really well because they freaking started playing him instead of sitting him on the bench and in the press box earlier this year like he was. Thank goodness they started playing him. Guys need to play. Um, and I think that that's the important thing. You know, Zamula's playing now. I think he's starting to get into a bit more of a rhythm. Might he hit a wall? Maybe. Young guys do. I mean, I, I think Brinks hit a wall. I think Forrester slowed down a little with. bit. It's, yes, it's part of the, it's part of the deal. You don't go, oh man, he hit a wall. Let's give up on him. One way trip to the AHL, then we're not going to resign you when you're done. Like it's it's part of the development process. You don't give these kids forty games and write their career off afterwards, like they did with Wade Allison last year, or like they're going to do with Zmulis. Like you got to. That's what a rebuild is. You're taking the bumps and bruises now so they can get better. Zamula goes out there and gets fucking turned inside out. Well, guess what? He's not going to make that mistake again. That's how you learn, for fuck's sake. Like, when they talk about Drysdale, when he comes in and he goes, we're going to give him all the ice time. We're going to, he's your top righty, all all situations, all scenarios, and whatever mistakes he makes, we're going to be fine with it. Was essentially what Torts was saying. And I'm just like, so you realize when you have a prospect that you cannot fuck up, because if they fuck up Drysdale, it's going to look real bad that they made that trade, right? So when they have to, they will play a prospect and deal with the ups and downs of the development in the name of making sure that he succeeds. Why don't they do that with anybody else? Why when Robbie Brinks slows down, oh, well, fourth line, three minutes a night, tough shit, you had your opportunity, one way, take it to the AHL. I, why? Why don't they follow that development pattern for Zamula? Why is he being tagged in and out with fucking Mark Stahl all season long? There's just no logic for their development. You know, why has Adder never been given an opportunity in the NHL? He played, what, two, three games like four years ago when AV was still here at the end of the season when he first signed. Andre's too goddamn good for the AHL. This guy could solve your power play struggles right now. I just... Their refusal to go into this prospect pool really, really, really drives me nuts. And I don't know. Like, if you're willing to go to bat for Drysdale and accept those mistakes, you should be willing to do that for everybody. That's what the whole point of a rebuild is. God damn it. I feel like I shouldn't have to explain that part, but here we are. Explaining what a rebuild is in a rebuild, but every rebuild's different, Dan. Oh, we could, well, we, could re- we could re-sign Nick Sealer to an eight-year deal, <laughs> and that's part of the rebuild. <laughs> I the one thing, uh, and <sighs> I love Torts, and you know what? By mostly, listen, he's ninety percent of the time he's pushed the right buttons with this team. The one failure and weakness, and I don't think it's just Torts. I think it's this front office. I think it's this organization. They make up their minds on a player. And that's it. Yep. And they have a hard time getting past it. They get a hard time kind of, at least for the season. Like Ronnie Adder's not coming up this year. Probably not. He's not. Andre, like unless they go into a tailspin and they're out of a playoff spot, Andre's going to stay Lehigh Valley. Probably. And it goes with everybody else. Once they've decided that this is what you are right now, and these are the guys that we have on our roster right now, that's it. It's done. It's set in stone. Yep. And there's very little 
maneuverability or adaptability to change that. Next year in training camp, it's like they kind of look at it again. And depending on their roster and who's here and who they signed and who walked away in free agency, whatever the case may be, then that's when things open up. And it's based on, well, we've got two spots open. Now we're going to have a competition for who's going to who's going to get those spots. And then if you play ball and do the things that they want you to do, then you got a shot at it. And if not, and you don't get that spot, then you get locked and pegged into a certain role and slot in the pecking order. And you're not going to deviate from that for another year. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of concerning for me. It's a gigantic problem. And like Bobby Brink, there's been, rumors as of late that he may get demoted because he's clearly fallen out of favor. The reason why it hasn't happened already is because your top three options for a recall are Lazinski, Allison, and Oli Lexell. And all three of them, uh-uh, you're not coming up. You're stuck in the AHL. We made your decision on you. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. There's no movement. Like, if Brink goes down, that's a one-way ticket. He's not coming back unless somebody gets hurt. You know, and even then, it's just that. It's just... There's no dynamic. The whole point of a rebuild is cycling through these guys. What I would have done is not signed Garnet Hathaway, left a few spots open on the forward group, and cycled them in and out like they were doing at the end of last season. You call up, play three, four games, and go back. Three, four games, get set to three, four games. Like, that's... At bare minimum, that's what they should have been doing right now, rather than just, sorry, you're going to the AHL and you're stuck down there. Sorry, Wade Allison, we're never going to play you again. Doesn't matter that we didn't give you a fair shake. You didn't impress during camp, you're going down. It's just like, I, I, yeah, it's a massive problem that they're doing here. And it's the kind of thing like, you know, this has been a relatively healthy season. So we have not had, they've not had their backs against the wall to make these decisions when it comes to call-ups yet. But the fact that they're not doing it naturally during a rebuild, quote-unquote, pretty much uh, makes your point anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, it, Bobby Brink was benched in Minnesota. Yeah, because Torts is an asshole. Well, I mean, he has the right to do that. The question is whether or not you should use that right. I didn't my I, I didn't have a big problem when they did it to Sanheim um, last year, so I'm going to try to be consistent. At least Sanheim's a veteran. At least he's been to Calgary before and will be in Calgary again. That was Brink's first time playing in Minnesota That's as a, a professional. Point. That is a good point. Yeah, in his first year. Oh, you brought team. 300 friends and family here? Oh, tough shit. You're in the press box. We just have to play Nick Delorier. He needs to <laughs> go out there just... and get punched in the head for our amusement. Why not just publicly flog him in the first intermission? I mean, you might as well at this point. Tar and feather him. <laughs> it might have been an easier pill to swallow than that. But... Yeah. Oh, uh... God. I don't know. I just... It's the kind of question, and this has been my stance all season long of, you know, the short-term success that they're having versus the gigantic questions that still linger in the long term. And handling your prospects is one of them. And especially now that Gauthier is out of the picture. You know, what do you do at forward now? Why isn't Ollie Lexell in the NHL? Why are you worried about re-signing Nick Sealer? There's so many of those big questions that... People go, oh, Daniel, you're so negative right now. But, like, these are legitimate things that you need to answer to build a successful team for the future. You can't rest on your laurels of being a hardworking bubble team because it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, granted, they're playing great. They're winning. Like, that's awesome. 
you know, after all these few years, as we, you talked about earlier, like fans have a right to be happy because of all this shit we've been dealt. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's more to do here. There's work to be done. You still have to build. You still have to add. And, you know, the whole point of the Hextall rebuild all those years ago was so they would be more than just a first-round exit team. That was the whole idea, you know. And all these years later, people are ready to, to settle to be a first-round exit team again, you know. And the, it's what the organization is kind of building them into. And I want more than that. I don't want to piss away another five years to be the modern-day Blue Jackets. You know, that's not, that's not it's a waste of time. You know, I want more than that. They need more than that. And, you know, the thing about the Cutter Gochi trade was, like, you didn't get Drysdale. Like, you gave up a valuable top prospect for a valuable top prospect. That was yeah. not an addition. That was a swap. You know, you still have not made that big outside addition yet. And the fact that we get talking on Sealer and Walker and all this. We're just going to run it back. Run it, All 23 men that are here this year, they are going to be here next year. It's like, fuck off. You got to think bigger than that. And I really, really hope that they do. And they could. It's very possible. You know, Breer has done a decent amount of stuff right since he's been here. There have been some question marks, like fucking signing Mark Stahl in the first place and all these random bodies. But... It is going to be an interesting thing if they can get out of their own way for the first time in 15 fucking years and make that big addition this year that kind of buys in. Because that's when I can buy in. If you have a good offseason with a significant amount of upgrades and you go into next year and look just as good, if not better, than they do right now, I'm back in. I'm back in because it proves that they're willing to take those steps forward. I'm so goddamn hesitant to say, okay, I'm back in. I'm going to start supporting. I'm going to be positive. All this shit because it just feels like they're setting themselves up to get to a certain point and just stick at that point and that's it. And that's what worries me right now as a fan. It's still there's the long-term questions that kind of linger as far as their ability to build properly and develop properly. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to be tested during the offseason and going into next year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I, I'd love to see like a really a good off season where it really becomes clear that okay, this is what we're doing, and there's no ambiguity. There's no, you know, well, if it goes this way, then this is how we're going, and if it goes that way, it breaks bad. Then, well, it's a rebuild, and it's okay. Yeah, I, I'd I'd rather see them have like this is what we're doing, and come hell or high water, this is what we're doing. And you know what? Sometimes are things going to go th- their way? Sure. Are things sometimes going to not go their way? Yeah. And you know what? That's part of the process. That's part of having, you know, a new front office and and leadership group making the calls and ones that don't have that much experience. That's why this decision here at the trade deadline coming up, which is only about what, five weeks away, March 8th, six, five or six, yeah, something like that, six weeks away. That's not a lot of time. And they've got, there's some pretty big and important decisions to make here. Yeah. And everyone loves pointing to, well, we don't want to be the Edmonton Oilers. Well, we don't want to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. In a sense, we are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'll and I'll give you the example. The cup drought aside, which is the obvious thing that links the Leafs and, and the Flyers. Every year here in Toronto, it's the same narrative when the Leafs get bounced in the playoffs in the first round, it's this forward group. They're too top heavy. 
we've got all these stars at the top end. We've got, okay, you got Morgan Riley, but he's not really a number one. He's like a good number two. And then after that, it kind of just drops off. You've got like, you know, 40 year old, uh, uh, what's his name? Mark Giordano. You've got like all these other guys. And then the goaltending is suspect. So every year they get bounced. And what do they do? They talk about, we're going to trade Nylander. We're going to trade Mitch Marner. We're going to trade a key piece of this core. We're going to rattle this core and shake things up and really even out and more balance, give more balance to our roster. They never do. And and what (laughs) happens? They never freaking do. And it ends up happening. Like they, they could have traded Nylander and you know what? Granted Nylander has been the, in my opinion, the best guy on that forward roster. I know Matthews has got 34 goals, but game in, game out, Nylander's been all over the ice, and he's been really good. And it's like you could have traded him like at multiple points through the last two, three years, and you didn't. And you just re-signed the guy, and you get him eight years and a no-move clause and 11.5 million AAV. Whew. You could have signed him last year for nine and a half. Probably. Uh. Maybe 10 if he dug in his heels. And it's like the more you call for change and switching things up and doing things differently, but they keep doing the same thing. They are actually hell bent on winning with this, those four guys up front. And now they're going to bank on, well, in two years time, when uh, Tavares' contract goes up, we'll re-sign him for, you know, 6 million or 5 million instead of the 10 that he's getting now. (laughs) And it's like, okay, you guys just don't want to trade like anybody. You don't want to address your defense. You don't want to address your goaltending. And then you wonder when things go ass backwards. And that's kind of what I don't want to see here. Like we, from Ron Hextall's time, I'm not going to trade for a 35 year old. We're going to do everything for God. The I hate that quote. The ah. present. I didn't do it in your voice. But, I don't you know. going to trade a prospect for a 35 year old. Fuck. I hate but, Ron Hextall. But, but literally it's Ron Hextall saying, we're going to do everything for that makes sense for us now and going forward. Chuck Fletcher said, we're only going to do things that make sense for us now and in the future, Jonesy and Briere, we're going to do things now and in the future. The only difference is they added the word rebuild yeah. to their thing. But it's the same sort of strategy overall. And it's like, OK, I want to know exactly like I want to see you guys make, you know, there's some moves that are encouraging the Drysdale thing. Like, cool. They addressed, you know, their defense. Now you got to address center and it's not just going to magically show up. You're yeah, going to have to work to do something. Yeah. That's how we're like Toronto. And it's kind of this cycle of, you know, you, you get people hyped up and excited and you're in the playoffs. And then the same way you exit the playoffs every year, that's the lease. And I don't want the same thing. That's becoming the Columbus Blue Jackets, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah. That's la- exactly what Columbus did. The last two times the Flyers got hot, 17, 18. Made the playoffs, got curb stomped by the Penguins, didn't do anything during the summer, and went to shit the following year. 1920, same thing. You got hot, didn't do shit during the summer, fell apart the following year. You have two recent examples of the Flyers' history, and just for the last 10 years in general. And then you look at Tortorella's tenure in the Blue Jackets, which was the same thing. He coached there for six years. They made the playoffs in four. They got eliminated in the first round in three of those years. One of them, they upset the Lightning, and then they got fucking killed by the Bruins in the second round. 
Yep. You know, it's just there's that recent trend of both coach and organization of getting to a point and not wanting to be hands-on enough to make the hard calls to win. And that that frightens the shit out of me right now when it comes to the future of the Flyers. And, you know, the Drysdale move is definitely there. It You know, it, it shows something. But again, you know, as I, as I alluded to earlier, that was a asset for an asset. You know, that, that was not an addition. It just so happens Cutter Gauthier isn't here right now. And as much as we want to downplay Cutter Gauthier and pretend that he sucks and you want to pretend, you know, Jamie Drysdale's the greatest thing since fucking sliced bread, that's great, but losing Gauthier hurts, man. That was your only hope of a forward coming in anytime soon. You know, you really, really need to address that hole in the lineup now because it's not going to come naturally. You know, you don't even have anybody in the system that's going to come up at full. I mean, Lexel's a winger. I really like him, but he's a middle six winger. You know, Danoyer has had a really bad year and is not an option. You know, he's yep. just, he's not, you know. So <laughs> I don't, I, you, you need offensive help. And Tuamala and Lexel are great. But I don't think they're legitimate top guys. You know, I think they're probably going to be solid middle sixers when the time comes. But you need that high-end offense, and there's no easy way to do it. It's going to cost you a lot of money in free agency, or it's going to cost you assets in a trade. But you have to make it happen for the betterment of the team. Plain and simple. Well, I mean, Dane was always going to top out maximum if everything went right as a 3C. Probably. And, the, and the, hey, there were people out there talking about him like he was going to be a top six forward and whatnot. And, and you know what? Last crazy. year, he did look like it. He set a Lehigh Valley Phantoms goal-scoring record last year, for Christ's sake. Like, he looked like a legitimate, bonafide middle six center. This season, not even fucking close. Yeah. He's so got, I don't like, know three goals happened. or something. Like, I don't know what happened with this guy, but uh, he got hit hard, whatever it was. I, I do find, though, but that's the homerism in, in the fan base. So, like, everyone was licking Cutter Goche's asshole for the last, you know, two years. And now that he did what he did, that it came public, now he's public enemy number one. And that's understandable. But people do are reaching when they, they basically think that we ripped off the Ducks. Yeah, We didn't rip them off. It was a good trade for both teams. Yeah. Like as long as Drysdale can stay healthy, it works out well for both teams, I think. When Cutter Gauthier is potting 50 a year in Anaheim for the next decade. Yeah, Cutter Gauthier is going to be scoring goals. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if I'll, I'll, I'll say this nice and early and fans, before you come at me with the uh, tiki torches and whatnot, um, my prognostication skills are not very good as I, I obviously picked the Flyers to do really bad this year. <laughs> I think he'll be a Calder Trophy finalist he could be. next year. Yeah. I think he will. He's going to be very motivated, and he's going to be playing with Leo Carlson, and he's going to be playing with other young players that are going to be able to find him. There will be opportunity for that guy to score some goals next year. He might be a minus 50, <laughs> but he might score 30-some-odd goals for sure next year. I think Jamie we'll Drysdale see. was like a minus 45 or something like that when they acquired him. It's like, Jesus! Shows you just how fucking bad those ducks have been lately. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we uh, go on from here. But I think we're uh, about an hour. We'll, uh, we'll call it call it a day here. Um, Did a show with Spots the other day. Sisterly Pod just went up. 
Uh, we're going to have people on this week. That's for sure. I don't know who yet. We'll figure it out. We've got plenty of time. Plenty of shit on the website, brotherlypuck.com. At Dan the Flyer fan, at brotherlypuck, and brotherly underscore pod. Dan the Flyer fan underscore jerseys over on Instagram. And uh, stay tuned, everyone, uh, for an update on Flyer Side Chat. That's all I'll say for that right now. And uh, Manny, where can people find you on Twitter? At Manny Benavidez. And as always, brotherlypuck.com. The latest... Uh, CHL Junior Hockey Canadian Prospect Report for the Flyers is out. Check it out. And uh, I know you don't want to say anything about Shane, but uh, is he with the Vatos in that prison? Yeah, he's in a Guatemalan prison right now. Did he? Did he have to shank a guy? Did he find? I sent him a message. Go find Martinez. <laughs> guy, a guy in there was, uh, you know, uh, human trafficker. He'll he'll get you good. He'll yeah. protect. You. Yeah, I'm I'm getting him out, everyone. I got some connections. Don't worry about it. He'll be back soon. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) All right, everyone. Until next time. Goodbye and good night.